0: Bad on Bears fans back at it again. Chicago Bears podcast back in action. Starting the week off with Courtney Cronin here on a Tuesday after super wild card weekend comes to a close. Some interesting takeaways from that. For me, we got to talk about that. Uh, How far behind are the Bears? That's the real question there. And of course, the OC search has begun. I like a lot of the names that we're looking at. Who's the guy that's going to end up landing this job. And Caleb Williams is declared for the draft. (laughs) Very, very, very last minute. We'll talk about all that more in today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Hit that like button, subscribe to the page, leave a five-star review. Y'all know what to do. Courtney, the off season's here. What are you doing with your time?
1: You know, the off season sometimes feels busier than the regular season because you're just pulled in a lot of different directions. I, like this week it's been all right gear up for the next you know basically from like now until the draft you try to plan your life out but um it's you know just trying to get myself into a routine you know did my usual around the horn schedule every week radio all of that and you know with a team like this you're going to be busy you like it's it's better to have a team that is relevant in the off season sometimes than having a team that's you know just clawing to get to some point in the regular yeah. season. I mean, the bears are the story and from like Wild Card weekend from, you know, seeing two teams in the NFC North, make it to the divisional round. Like, there's so much that relates to the team that we cover. Um, and that's what makes it interesting because now you can have like, a t- time to like step back from the regular season, assess what was going on, what didn't work, but also like, Kind of a nice check in to see, okay, where are the other teams that the Bears are going to be like can- competing with, but also like how far off are they from actually competing, you know, and being in that same sentence with like the Lions and the Packers and all of yeah. that. Like that's, you know, coming out of wild card, super wild card weekend, that's what I learned.
0: Yeah. It's, it listen, those, those, those uh, Those two teams in the front, I just kept seeing. First off, everybody's losing their mind on the quarterbacks. I'm just watching them all going, God, I want that offensive line and (laughs) play caller. But the play caller is an interesting one, right? Because, of course, Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, Ben Johnson in Detroit. Can the Bears lock down their big-name guys? Some of the names on this list, I'm not going to lie to you, Courtney. They get me very, very excited because these are guys And I don't know if the Bears, like, this is the first time I can remember them looking for guys that have done this successfully right away. These are guys that all developed quarterbacks and called plays. These are guys that have all had guys who are in the right direction. Shane Waldron, one name, he's doing it out in Seattle calling plays. Uh, Clint Kubiak is an interesting one because I believe you – covered Clint Mm -hmm. when he was there, right? Last Mm -hmm. stint there. So very interesting. He did a good job with Kirk Cousins. I don't know if he developed them per se, but he had him with one of his best seasons of his career. That staff just ends up getting decimated now, what he's doing over there with Brock Purdy. And of course the name that showed up late last night, by the way, why we keep dropping these at 11 o'clock, I gotta make content on this. Uh, 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 Greg Roman has popped up. Of course, a couple other names in there as well. Some guys in the college ranks and things like that. But I think those are the three names that people most look at, especially Greg Roman because of how he's developed QBs in kind of this reclamation project, right? He's done it both ways. He fixed Alex Smith, and all of a sudden, Alex Smith is a long-term starter in the NFL. He's also developed young quarterbacks that are on their first year coming in. Bears have both options available. When you hear these names, what comes to your mind about kind of the direction the Bears are looking here?
1: Well you're getting coordinators or you're interviewing people for that coordinator spot who run a variation of what they did last year. So I think it makes sense for continuity sake that you're not going to have, you may have a new quarterback in this offense. I don't know yet. And that's not even like the main part of it, but you have 10 other guys on offense that you don't want to have to like thrust into a brand new system. So you're getting coordinators from or coaches from, variations of what they ran this year. And that's smart. You know, the Kubiak-Shanahan scheme for most of these coordinators, um, you know, with, with Clint Kubiak, I mean, his father was like the architect of it with Mike Shanahan and Clint's the passing game coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. You have people who have ties to the system, but who have also like been part of the branch offs of it, like Liam Cohen. Like he was with Sean McVay, who of course, you know, was with Kyle Shanahan back in Washington. They start their relationship. Sean McVay has added his touches on this offense. And so Liam Cohen being under him, like he was there in 2020, goes to Kentucky, comes back. Um, So he wasn't there for the Super Bowl run, but he's been part of that too. And, you know, the number one thing, you have – People interviewing for this job, all of them have called plays before that is like the first and foremost, the best part of all of this that you're not going to have I don't think they can afford where they're at right now trying to make a considerable jump in year three of this rebuild to have somebody who's never called plays before, somebody learning on the fly when you may have a quarterback, a new quarterback learning this offense, or even Justin Fields. If he stays and they roll with him in 2024, it's still going to be, there's like newness to this that he's going to have to learn, making sure that you have the play calling part down because, you know, that's just part of it. Like with what Luke gets, there was like sometimes no rhyme or reason or rhythm to what they were calling offensively trying to mitigate that. I think helps the overall you know, symbiotic relationship between a quarterback, the offense, and the OC. So that's, those are like my initial thoughts with it. But like when I saw the Greg Roman news pop up on Monday night, you know, my first thought is not just, you know, where has he been? Because he, he's been, he was out of the league the last year. Like his last year was in Baltimore. But, you know, to see what he did with Lamar, he became yep. the OC the year. He was like, I think the assistant receivers coach. And then he became the, um, Or, excuse me, tight ends coach. He became the OC the year Lamar had his MVP season. And since that point, though, you saw like a regression in certain areas of his game year, like from from 2020 onwards. Obviously, he was still a great quarterback and had this team, you know, in position to win a lot of games from that unanimous MVP season onwards. But they made a change at OC for a reason this last yeah. year and part of that has to do with you know developing Lamar as a passing quarterback and if you think about where Justin Fields is if we're just using him as the example here like you can get excited as a Bears fan thinking okay well he did this for Lamar he helped develop Lamar into an MVP caliber quarterback somebody who you know was able to be the f- true dual threat that he came into the league as but there are also holes that you can see within that resume and that body of work between the two of them. so I would I don't think it's like the end all be all at like the answer that solves yeah. everything, but I can understand because if the bears are looking at a Caleb Williams, if they're looking at a Justin Fields, if you're looking at people who have multiple facets to what makes them a good quarterback, then you want somebody who can coordinate an offense where you don't have the gap between being the second best rushing team and the 27th best passing team. Um, (laughs) And I mean, obviously you want that anyways, but like you need someone who is going to incorporate a lot of different layers of this, of this offense into making it a viable thing that can carry over week to week where you don't have the peaks and valleys as much as they did. So Really curious about the timeline. Um, We know that, you know, Seattle, they have two coaches that are interviewing both Greg Olson, who's been around for a long time, um, and Shane Waldron. Seattle's out of the postseason, so there would be no hold up there in trying to get this thing done sooner rather than later. Uh, Liam Cohen, you know, the Rams now are out of the postseason, so there's that. And then, you know... Greg Roman's out of the league right now. So, I mean, they could make this call this week. It wouldn't surprise me. But then I guess if they really were eyeing one of those candidates that we know of in Clint Kubiak, that could take a little longer because the um, 49ers are in the postseason.
0: I think what's interesting with the candidates that we have available is that, right... There's something that I love about each of them, and I would be excited to get any of them in here. Mm -hmm. For me, Shane Waldron and Greg Roman are the two that lead the pack for me right now. Clint Kubiak, I know he's done it in the NFC North. He's called plays. He's been really good. I I like what he's doing over in San Francisco as well as the quarterback's coach, but I, I, I don't know if I want to take another chance on just the QB coach. Not to say he hasn't called plays, but... I'm seeing guys who have recently developed QBs. The thing for me I love about Shane Waldron is, to me, he's someone who is probably the best play designer out of all of these guys.
1: like with multiple quarterbacks. It,
0: exactly. <laughs> like I, I, I love how he designed plays in situations where, right, because there's also this thing where, At a certain point, it seems like certain things are excuses, but it's just the fact that your OC didn't know how to scheme for those, right? Mm -hmm. I've seen Shane Waldron scheme games where there's no tackles in that game. Your two starting tackles are hurt, and he's able to go out there and run a scheme that still allows you to remain impactful offensively. For me, with Greg Kubiak, though I know there's been a ton of questions on this game. I think he was fired for the most part on the Clint scheme. Kubiak, yeah. I'm, I'm I'll fired. tell you.
1: I'll tell you why they were. I mean, that situation was not great. And by the way, I'll correct myself. Liam Cohen, I, you know, he went Kentucky. Rams, Kentucky, Rams, Kentucky. Yeah, so, he's, yeah, yeah. so he would be available he's right now. And forth, yeah. and I mean, the thing the thing that you like about that is you look at that 2021 season, Will Levis's best season, arguably, or at least the season that put him on the map as a quarterback. Um, going into the draft, you know, two years later, he was his uh, he was his position coach and right, right. coordinator that year. Anyways, um, with Clint. So the last couple years in Minnesota after Kevin Stefanski left. Right. So Gary Kubiak was kind of retired, kind of not. He was like a advisor sort of role. And Mike Zimmer. Yeah really wanted him to come back really wanted him more than just like you know working on personnel stuff from his ranch in texas and have him in the building in minnesota so gary is the offensive coordinator during the 2000 during the covid season right and then when gary decides he wants to retire for real this time then that gets passed off to clint kubiak and that's his son and i mean i know some people will look at this and say well you know, was he really put in position? Did he really earn that job? Was he really ready for that moment? And Clint's a great guy. Like I've, yeah. I've always enjoyed my interactions with him. I think he's a good coach. I just think that he wasn't necessarily ready for that moment in what became what was. Everybody knew it because they lost, they were, you know, they had a losing record in 2020. 2021 was win, like must-win situation. There was a massive disconnect between the offense and the defense. Mm. Um, and you know, I just don't know if Clint was ready for taking on at that time was a pivot, which was a pivotal point in Kirk Cousins career. He didn't, right. you know, and he's tasked with a lot of things where you have a first time play caller, somebody who, you know, they struggled once they, it was kind of similar to here. Once they went off script, they were, the offense fell apart and he was constantly calling the game from the get back on track side of the play sheet. But yeah. the experience that he now has can, can he, that he can boast is that, he went to San Francisco for a year. He took a step back from the play calling role. He got to learn under Kyle Shanahan to see how he did it. And those are the things when someone gets an opportunity to interview for an OC job, uh, again, after having already done it, and then maybe like taking a step back, like you can lean on that to say, okay, this is where I was. This is what I needed to learn. And showing how, you like in the interview, he's going to have to show how he learned those things, how it'll be different this time around. But I mean, that offense attacks the middle of the field, um, you know, to be able to utilize the receivers. All the things that, we want. <laughs> yeah, like to be able to utilize your receiving, you know, your receivers to, you know, a far better, put them in more advantageous situations than what we saw with DJ Moore yeah. being kind of like the only one from that group. And of course, talent, you know, affects things too. You know, when you're in San Francisco, you've got a and even in, in same thing with Seattle, you have Seattle, you have great receivers one through three. San Francisco, it's the same thing. Whoever the Bears end up hiring as their OC, yeah. they've got to be sure that they're like replenishing the depth at receiver and making sure that that offensive coordinator has the tools to, you know, call a successful offense. Cause without any of that, you're in the same situation that they were in this year, where you saw the potential for it, but there always felt like a ceiling on it because they're just, and it's not, I'm not trying to be a Justin Fields apologist here.
0: Yeah.
1: I just don't know if they, You know, they obviously have to address the talent gap that they have at certain positions and how talent heavy they are, like, you know, top heavy with like DJ Moore and then who else? Like, I just, I don't know if that's, you know, if that's something that, you know, kind of the chicken and egg argument, like it's going to be the OC first before you can address those things when they get to the draft and free agency before that. But it's, there's a lot to like, I think, with these coordinators. Now, these are younger coordinators, except for Greg Olson, um, and for Greg Roman, like if 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 either of those two end up being the finalist for this job, we'll see. But the good thing is, I think above all else, you have people with play calling experience, so at yes. least you can like mitigate some of those first year hurdles with whomever is calling the offense.
0: And I think too, right? Like Greg Roman intrigues me, but it's not because of his scheme, which sounds, cra- sounds crazy, right, for an offensive coordinator. But I've seen him develop three quarterbacks. I've seen him actually get the job done developing a quarterback. Mm -hmm. Now, was it the long-term, right? Was he the long-term answer at that position? 100% not, right? I think the most he's ever been with a team is three seasons, three seasons with San Francisco, three seasons with Baltimore. Um, In both of those situations, though, he left, right? Alex Smith's career continues to go the right direction. Lamar Jackson's career continues to go the right direction, even in those seasons where... Right, in, like in, the injuries
1: office. factored in, like that 2021-02 yeah, season, yeah, yeah. Like, that's, you know, that plays in. But no, I mean, like, he was part of that. He was yeah. he definitely, for as much of a falling out as it felt like there was in Baltimore after last year where the writing was on the wall, they needed to go a different direction at yeah. OC. You still can't take away the good that came from that Lamar Jackson, um, you know, Greg Roman relationship. And also, I mean, it points to... Something the Bears have to figure out. Like, look at what happened with, with Lamar in Baltimore when they didn't have talent around the quarterback. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're, you're going to struggle. And then this <laughs> then this offseason, they finally addressed it, and look what happened.
0: Is it the new play? And I've said this multiple times, right? With, With dual-threat quarterbacks, so often teams will focus on the other side of the ball. So often teams will say, well, we got you, right? We've got you, Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown's a solid number two wide receiver in the NFL, but he's never been a number one. No one's ever confused him with a number one. We got you, Hollywood Brown. How about you guys get me an offensive line so I don't have to run for my life? Uh, we don't need that. We need more pieces on the defensive side. How about we get some running back help? I've been I'm, I got a 33-year-old running back back here. Nah, nah, we're not going to look at that. We're, we're going to keep going on the deep, right like they They focus on the things because Lamar was so amazing with his legs that you could rely on him to get out of bad situations more times than not. But... I just I, I, I fully believe that if we start to focus very much the one year that they go, hey, why don't we give him an offensive line and a couple more receivers uh, and, and not just, you know, the tight end basically to rely on. All of a sudden, Lamar's a passer. All of a sudden, his passing game has moved in the right direction. And I do think there's there's some of that with Greg Roman. That is a fault of his. His scheme's not great. Right. A lot of wide receiver screens. Uh, I'm sorry, a lot of wide receiver blocking one wide receiver going down the left side of the field. You're trying to hit him on an open route. But I can see a guy that's consistently developed quarterbacks at every stop. And my question, I guess, to Bears fans is, where do we start here? Do we start worrying about the scheme? Or do we start worrying about actually developing a quarterback? Because we've never done that here.
1: No, and that's a, that's like tenfold. That's the number one responsibility of this next group coming in, this you yeah. know offensive coordinator plus quarterbacks coach. And then they have to get a running backs coach. So they have to get a receivers coach. And they'll probably find other assistant positions to fill out within that. But there's, like, you have to get the scheme set first. What are you running? What are you, like, if in – I would imagine in these interviews, these candidates are being asked, if Justin Fields stays, what is your plan for Justin Fields? If right. we go with if we go with someone in the draft, who do you, who would you say is like the, you know, the person you want to work with the most? Well, what if we don't feel that way? Can you can your scheme work for this quarterback if they end up going a different direction? Now, of course, people are gonna look at Caleb Williams and say, Well, he's a number one pick in the draft, um, for you know, projected number one pick in the draft for a reason. Yeah any of these offenses would have to work for him. And I would imagine considering the skill sets between him and Justin Fields, the athleticism. And I think Caleb, I mean, obviously Caleb is a better passer. Um, you know, there's, there's no, there's no questioning. There's a comfortable um, in the pocket. Yeah. And I mean, but he can also like his broken play ability, I think is at this point, like you can probably give him like the check there versus um like broken pass playability, yeah. being able to yeah. throws on the run, getting outside the pocket, buying time, all those things that Justin became better at as the year went on. Like, you know, all of those things with Caleb Williams come into come into play here when in those interviews. Like how can you put him in the best position for what's, you know, if we go with him, or how can you do that with Justin Fields? So I think you're not going to be getting into the nitty gritty of knowing which way they're going at quarterback. Right. Regardless of who they pick, because I think that there are the first off, they won't spill the beans on that. And there's, there's a lot to like with both quarterback skill sets, both meshing pretty well into a projected offense based on these five names that we know, because they're not, like, complete diversions from each other. They share a lot of the same ability. And that's something that I think helps the transition on offense because, remember, I know the quarterback is the most important position and they have to get that right. They have to develop that. You have 10 other guys on offense you have to worry about. The blocking scheme, like, you have receivers who have told us how difficult Luke Getz's offense was and the verbiage and picking that up after a year was, like, a challenge. Like, it took a whole year to get there. How can you try to, like, keep those people – in a successful put them yep. in a successful position from the very start while you're developing either a new quarterback in this offense or having Justin fields mesh into a, the scheme that they're going to implement in 2024.
0: yeah it's going to be very interesting to see kind of what this what this Bears team goes and what direction they go and I I will say this right like don't think just in terms of Justin Fields if you're mm-hmm. a Bears fan or just in terms of Caleb Williams. Because they're like, not oh. thinking that
1: way. They're yeah. not thinking that way. They have to make sure that they have somebody who because like, here's the thing. They're going to hire an offensive coordinator. The t- pick's not going to be traded by any, like, you know, we expect that no. in January. It might be this week. It might be next week. It might be at the end of the month. Who knows? But you don't, they're not going to do something with that pick until far later. So Their plans could change. So you're not going to hire somebody being like, all right, we're planning to go with Justin. Like we're dead set on this. Like we didn't really like your plan for the other quarterbacks, but we love your plan for Justin Fields. Well, what happens if they get an offer they can't refuse on Justin Fields? Then you're screwed. If you have somebody in there who you don't think can adapt what they were going to do for the current quarterback for somebody (laughs) they're going to bring in later. So all of those things like you have to be the perfect package as an offensive coordinator. And I just, based on like the schemes that these coaches are coming from, yeah you there there's not a huge level of variance which is good because i don't think you want the extremes i think you want to be able to pick from a pool of coordinators that all kind of have the same ultimate goal in the way that they plan to develop the quarterback position no matter who that quarterback is
0: yeah listen i i'm a justin i want justin fields here i think that he can if you get the right oc with him he will develop he'll move in the right direction but I think it was a, a episode of Get Up that you were on I ended up seeing mm-hmm. and I forget who it was that said like Atlanta would offer the eighth overall pick for Justin Fields. and I was like, if Atlanta offers mm-hmm. you the eighth overall pick I I want Justin Fields here. you trade Justin Fields. It's the eighth overall pick. You have three top ten picks at that I pick. was
1: a little surprised when Graz said that because. That like from what from our reporting, yeah. from that story that Jeremy Fowler and I wrote at the end of yeah. December, or the beginning of January, like and I heard anywhere from like a second to third, maybe fourth round pick, and obviously you'd get multiple picks for if you know if there's a day three pick, you'd get multiple picks, probably coupled with a second or a third. but I just I was a little surprised to hear <laughs> that, you know, Atlanta. Might want to trade for Justin Fields. Like you're eighth overall. Like you can get a quarterback. Get there. A well, it won't be Caleb Williams. It won't be Drake May, but yeah, could it Jake be Daniels? Daniels. Sure. Yes. Like I, I, was, I don't I was know, a little like i surprised by how high that that pick, like it was being offered up as, as a potential suggestion. But yeah, that's yeah. like, to your to your point of that. There's going to be situations after they get the offensive coordinator in place where they're going to have to evaluate what they're doing. At the Like if, if you know, if, if they have a plan that they really love from a certain coordinator, if they think they're going in a different in one direction, but then their plans change, they have to yeah. be comfortable that the coordinator that they have is somebody who can change with that plan.
0: Yeah, we'll see what it ends up being. I think here's the interesting part with all of this now, though. We didn't know everything was up in the air until about, what was it three thirty yesterday? Because Caleb Williams was like, I, I'm not putting this out there. Until uh, the very last minute, but he does finally declare for the draft with the Bears having the number one overall pick. Of course, all eyes go to us. Does it feel like maybe there was some reluctancy to come to the NFL knowing that the Chicago Bears have the number one overall pick? And no, we're not paying attention to that report that almost everybody fell for, that Caleb Williams wasn't coming to the NFL because of the Bears. Well, I
1: think sometimes where there is smoke, there's fire. And I know that that was a fake tweet that came out, but people jumped on it because they wanted to believe it, to have like... Confirmation of some yeah. of the reporting that had been done previously. What we know about Caleb Williams, if you go back and I encourage you guys, like read the GQ article. His father was the one who was like doing most of the talking and all of that about how Caleb's building a different team around him, meaning like the people, like his agency, like he, you know, agency meaning like himself, not like which agent he's right. hiring, yeah. but like his his overall, like the people insulating him in this, he's just doing it differently. And back in July. Of last year, around the same time that Aaron, like a report came out about Aaron Rodgers in the trade from him to from Green Bay to the Jets, that at that time he had requested equity in the New York Jets. Like, there's never been a player, an active player on a team, who has equity, meaning like a stake in ownership. Right. Yeah. Like, and at the same time that that came out, because that got like debunked as like, no, absolutely not, that would never happen. Like, no team would agree to that. Like at the same time, came, there came out a report from Pro Football Talk that Caleb Williams, his not him but his people, his team had asked about, like, had started inquiring about that with NFL teams. Now, other people have followed up on that reporting, saying that that is true. Those in in you know uh, proximity to the not to that knowledge, right? And that gives you pause because it's like, all right you haven't played a down of football yet, but you're already requesting to have equity in a team. And that's like, that's just unprecedented. Like you've never heard of something like that. And then of course, following that up, there were the reports that he might not want to come out of college. If the bears have the number one overall pick. And this was before the 2024, 2023 season started. Yeah, There was never a doubt in my mind that he was going to declare First off, you don't pass up a 35-ish, more than that million dollar contract as a rookie and delay your next contract which could be 300 million dollars for yeah. an NIL deal. That's just that's just bullshit. That was never going to happen. I think the people pushing that like we're just really trying to side themselves like on the anti-Caleb Williams narrative that he's selfish, his teammates don't like him, that he regressed, that he cried on national TV. All of this stuff was fodder to the Caleb Williams argument of we don't want this player here. We want to keep Justin Fields. You will not find anybody who's logically looking at this, rationally looking at this, believing any of that. This is this is being pushed by the fan base, part of the fan base that wants that only wants Justin Fields that is blind to all of the numbers and anything that tells you that hey it's a good quarterback, but still like numbers show you bottom half of the league and X Y Z and F like it's just it's annoying it's annoying because people are believing in something that's not entirely true and I think it was Albert Breer who went on Cap and J-Hood last week, last Tuesday. Yeah. He was talking about Caleb, and they're like, is he going to declare? Is he not? Like, you know, what's the holdup? Um, and he did wait until the last minute. But there's, you know, he said something that, that he was, like, you know, renowned in in the locker room, that people love him at USC. And what I have heard from sources I've talked to is about, you know, The Gen Z quarterback, more or less. Like, is this guy gonna come here and be, you know, a thorn in their side? Is he gonna tear a locker room apart? Like the fact that we're asking all of this is because this is the narrative that's out there about him. Yeah. And what I've been told is that yeah, he was, you know, is he high maintenance? Sure. There are a lot of athletes that are, but did USC insulate him and put him in the proper situation so he can succeed, so we can have that support, which you know, Albert Breard reported that he has from the locker room. All of those things can be true, but you can also have somebody who you might deem on the outside as being, oh, this guy might be high maintenance, the diva label, like all those things. Like, you people are going ahead and regurgitating that without actually having like concrete reporting. It's just hearing something and repeating that, which we have to caution ourselves with the next couple of months as this thing gets contentious and can be, you know a pretty polarizing conversation around a quarterback that's not here yet because there's a certain portion of this fan base that really wants to hold on to Justin Fields that yep. sees the glimmer of hope and says, no, no, don't give up on that just yet because there's another shiny object off in the, in the corner waiting to potentially enter into the mix and not wanting to get distracted by that in favor of holding on to the good that they've seen from Justin Fields. You can't fault people for that, but you also have to understand when a story gets out like that, like who does it benefit who does it, like, at the end of the day, like, who ultimately is pushing that and who comes out on the on the right side of that? Like, those are all of the things. next couple months, I, I encourage every listener to make sure that they are keeping stock of yeah. and keeping track of or taking stock in keeping track of because there's a lot of misinformation in, when it comes to the draft process. And, and sometimes teams, not saying that the Bears are doing this, but sometimes teams will float things to see what sticks. Because that help, that changes the draft order sometimes. Like we've seen that stuff happen. And of course, now that there's three and a half months, a hundred something days till the draft, there's gonna be this conversation. There's gonna be stuff that comes out of the combine, guys medical, like how the interviews went, like yeah. you know, all of those things. Like I mean, it's kind of an extreme example, but look at what happened with Jalen Carter last year. I know, like there was a legal situation there, but how quickly he went from one to nine.
0: He was the number and, one overall pick. Yeah. Stuff he was like, the number one overall. And
1: circumstances certainly are different for every yeah. player. But like, just because Caleb Williams is dominating those headlines right now, who's not to say that like the Senior Bowl, that the other, you know, that Pro Days, all of those things don't end up changing or altering the draft order? Now that everybody's locked in on these prospects, that is, it's just all going to factor in. So I just like, I, I don't run with things that are out there that are obviously unverified and like. It's just it's hard when people are dead set on in 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 a quarterback conversation so polarized in the way that it is with Justin Fields versus quarterback to be named later, because I just you know if there are a lot of people who are talking, a lot of people who who don't have the information correct that are perpetuating yeah. this stuff, and that's bullshit. That's not fair to the Bears. It's not fair to it's not fair to either Justin Fields or Caleb Williams, and that's something that you know people need to make sure that like they're being
0: mindful of. And it's so, it's funny too, right? Because doing this, we have to verify everything. And you should. Mm -hmm. You should be verifying everything no matter what. But like, the first thing I did when that tweet came out about Caleb Williams not wanting to come because of the Bears was Google the guy's name. And the first thing that pops up is how many people have gotten got by his tweets before. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, he's kind of, I don't know if he's a Twitter troll or if it's a fake account or whatever it is, but... It's something that, like, all you had to do is a quick Google search on it. And I think for me, even as somebody who wants Justin Fields here, the reason I'm so, like, I'm just going to trust Ryan Poles on this is because I see the good in Caleb Williams. I see what he can do. I see the plays that he can make. I see what he can be as a quarterback. And, yes, there are some things that I do think are some faults on his name, but I also look at some of those, right, the, the leadership issues and things like that that people brought up not talking at press conferences after. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not blaming him for the sins of the adult in the room. Lincoln Riley needs to tell his quarterback, go stand up there and take questions like an adult. You don't get to hide in your locker and, and not deal with locker room scrums. That's not going to happen in the NFL, and he's going to have to adjust to that quickly. Right, like the one thing, as, as bad as the season got, for Colorado over there, the thing I always respected about Dion was he sat there and took every one of those daggers, and he made Shador do the exact same thing. He's going to be prepped at the next level for that. Hopefully, he can play at the next level. Lincoln Riley's the one that makes the call on whether his quarterback has to talk yeah. at the podium. And if I'm a 22-year-old kid, 21-year-old kid, I don't want to sit there and talk to a bunch of media members after I just blew one of the biggest games For the season, right? Like, if you give me the option, maybe I don't go out there and stand up there at 21.
1: And that's, like, something that cannot be, like, talked about enough with Justin Fields. He's 24 years old, and every question, every, you know, every bad moment, he stood up there and he addressed. Like, was he going to be the happiest about it? No, but he still handles his responsibilities like an adult. Yeah. The the TikTokization, the Gen Z quarterback, the people, the kids coming up now, like the, you know, athletes coming up now are exposed to things that are completely different from guys that came out five years ago, and that's yeah. something you have to consider when evaluating the whole person. Remember, that's what Ryan Pohl said last week that it was. It's not just going to be about like how quickly guys can go through progressions and you know, making sure that like they're you know they're locked in to being you know, capable of doing what the offense is asking him to do. It's the leadership element. It's the whole quarterback. It's making sure that they get all the right information. And it's not just, you know, contrary to Bears fan, some Bears fans' belief, it's not just looking at his Twitter likes and seeing, oh, he likes something that said the Bears should stick with Justin Fields and not take Caleb Williams. That must mean he doesn't <laughs> want to come here. Like, that's not – he hasn't talked in a while, and I know yeah. that they're, they're – I mean, I, I scrutinize that. I think that if you're going to be in all of these Wendy's ads and doing all this NIL, all these NIL deals that you can, you, know, you can face the music. You should be an adult about this because you're about to be the number one pick in the draft potentially. But until we hear from him, which will probably be the Friday of the combine when quarterbacks routinely talk, just be careful with the information that's out there because unless it comes from him – and that'll be the first time he has to address these things. I don't know if there's another quarterback going in that I can think of that's had to answer so many. That will have to answer so many questions about the perception that this player does not want to go to a certain team that's in position to draft him.
0: That's his Eli, probably, because yeah. he, and, and, but Eli and, openly said it. Like he was like, that ah, we're just dealing with it." And
1: I get it. Like fans, I, I'm I'm of this ilk. Like I don't like entitled people, and yeah. that's what would I'm worry me if he comes in. If he is that player, that the Bears are just enamored with. They have to make sure, and like we've talked about this, Pat. Like, and I know the locker room loves Justin Fields. No one's going to quit football if they trade Justin Fields. These guys right. understand it's a business. They could all be gone tomorrow too. Everybody has that. You know, it's nobody's immune to being traded or cut. Um, but you can't risk. You, or you really got to take stock in where you're at. Like you don't want to if if somebody has that entitled mentality it's not just how it's going to affect the locker room how are they going to take coaching how are they going to take you know what is required going to be required for them to like learn an offense that's not just Caleb Williams that's everybody and just I caution people like I know that that stuff is out there about him but it's also been run through the social media machines and Sometimes you yeah. end up getting something. Uh, it gets spun a certain way to make somebody look purposefully bad to benefit someone else. Again, that's not, that's not necessarily like going to, you know, it's not going to like affect what the bears are doing because no. remember they send private investigators, they send their scouts, like they have so much information on these prospects because these are million dollar, like, like, hundreds of millions do- of, of dollars are wrapped up in these decisions that can ultimately affect the direction that the franchise is going to go. And they're not just going to screw around with that or, you know, not do their due diligence.
0: No, it's the FBI. Like it literally is. When you think about how teams are investigating a lot of what these players mm-hmm. have done, the draft. I remember I think it was Chad Ochoa He was talking about it and he said he was out of a nightclub. Things got crazy, but he had dipped out before the things got crazy. And, uh, the, the, the team owner called him and was like, "What were you doing at that club last night?" He's like, "How'd you know I was at the club?" He's like, "We know everything. Just they just do. make sure they that do. you know that we know everything."
1: Mm-hmm. They do, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. If you're about to invest a ton of money in somebody and bank your future as a franchise on players, you you can do whatever you want as far as no, I'm yeah. concerned.
0: Yeah, yeah. Listen, they're they're going to be they're trying to build towards something. That is going to be a a long-standing brand Mm -hmm. that continues to move in the right direction. We haven't seen this from the Bears in a long time. I'm excited about it. And I think that, right, especially you got to think when they watched Wild Card Weekend, Super Wild Card Weekend this weekend and, and going into Monday, that they looked at the other teams that are in the NFC North and thought, we may not be as close as we thought to them as we Initially thought.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of us had that same takeaway. You have two teams from a division where I remember if you go back preseason, a lot of people were thinking that the NFC North only might have one and that yeah. you know it'd be the Lions. Well, if you had the Lions as your preseason NFC North pick, then then you were right. But to watch what Green Bay did like I am so impressed with Jordan Love and I know that that's not like a groundbreaking statement but yeah. you know this is the last team into the NFC playoff picture like the weakest you know the weakest seed as a 7 seed they hung 48 offense and defense on a team that was that had Super Bowl aspirations and they did it with a quarterback who since like the second half of the season began he's had the best season of any any quarterback in the second half that's not a fluke and to see the quarterback stability that they now have been able to achieve, thirty plus years, and it looks like it's happening again, or it is happening again. Just like call it what it is, it is happening with Jordan Love. It's
0: happening. I'm. It's going to frustrate
1: worried. Bears fans because it's like, man, how do they keep getting it right? How did you know Detroit took a lot of swings, and like they had stability with Matthew Stafford. It was that the rest of the team, the coaching, all of those elements couldn't get this team over a certain hump, like. They did this with Jared Goff. And what, what Dan Campbell was saying was true. Jared Goff is good enough for Detroit, and they don't put everything on his shoulders. Like, I just – I I came away so impressed with the quarterback play from both of those two, but particularly what it means for the Chicago Bears is that when you can get the quarterback spot right, you can solve a lot of things. Go look at what happened with this, the Texans and C.J. Stroud. They were 11-38 and one in 50 games before he got there. Um, that's not – like And he's the anomaly, not the norm, but, he sh- but they've showed you Houston, Green Bay, um, and Detroit, just using those three as examples, because I think those are some of the three better quarterback performances we've seen over the last couple of days. Once you get the quarterback spot right, a lot of things end up falling into place, and that's what the Bears can – Use, I guess, as part of their guide towards what they do in this offseason and hopefully as an element to take the emotion out of the decision to either stay with Fields or go get Caleb Williams because I, I, like life will be so much easier if they can just make sure that they have that position correct.
0: Yeah. And and it's about to me, the quarterback is built based off of the stability that's in place. Mm-hmm. Right. You look at the to me, I look at the Packers. You go from Mike Holmgren, Holmgren, Ray Rhodes, then you get Mike Sherman to Mike McCarthy. There was stability there. Mm -hmm. You go from Mike McCarthy to Joe Philbin for for a little bit in 2018 because they fired him in the middle of the season. Then you go to Matt LaFleur. Now Matt LaFleur is the stability that's in Green Bay. There's long-term stability there at the head coaching position. and Guys that are putting their quarterbacks in similar positions to be successful and adjusting, basing on who those guys are. That's why, to me, when I look at this offseason, the quarterback call, it, it's big. It's a big decision to make. But there's options, right? The option mm-hmm. that nobody looks at is the Bears move on from Justin Fields. Justin Fields goes on to Atlanta and is amazing. Caleb Williams comes here and Caleb Williams can play football as well, mm-hmm. right? Like two sides can win in this.
1: I know For it's always Bears. like people like looking at it like, oh man, Justin's going to go off and do great things, and and they don't believe that the new gonna be quarterback's going to come right. in here and do great things.
0: But it's but it's to me, you get that by getting the offensive coordinator position right. You have to get this coordinator position right right now because if you don't, you're going to be talking about years more, no matter if it's Justin Fields or Caleb Williams or Drake May or Jaden Day, no matter who you pick, where you're still not developing the quarterback. We haven't seen a quarterback develop since what, Jim Miller? Like, at that's 2001, 2000, like, what are we talking about here? 20 years of no quarterback development? It's got to start with the coaching position. We keep hoping somebody's going to walk in and they're just going to be like, no, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm Jesus Christ with the football. <laughs> like, you that doesn't happen. That is a rarity. Like, even C.J. Stroud, I know he looks really, really good, and I know that's the other thing from Wild Card Weekend, The Bears fans are just going, we could have had that. That still doesn't work with Luke Getzey calling plays.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I imagine it looks very, it looks different. Like, and I know the probably looks better. Well, the question, yeah. The question is like, would they have been a playoff team without, um, you know, if just, if they moved on from Justin Fields, if they would have taken CJ Stroud, like you have really no way of truly knowing Um, he would have been in a different situation, but it's similar in the sense that he would have had a first, you know, Bobby Slowick is a first time offensive coordinator, first time play caller. D'Amico Ryans is a first time head coach, and they had a lot of young pieces on defense. And, you know, I don't know if it's an apples to oranges conversation. People want to make it that. People want to say, hey, like they passed up on CJ Stroud. That's an indictment of the process that Ryan Poles is going through. Like, that's an indictment of the decision that they're going to make one way or the other. I don't believe that to be true. I also, he was in a tough spot last year because. This team, this franchise, has not moved on from a quarterback that they drafted, their own draft pick, that high up since, what, Cade McNown? Yeah. Like, that's that's something to consider here. Like, that's history. That's not just his call. That's you kind know, of taking into effect ownership. And, like, at the time, what the team was planning to do, um, you know, it, the, the structure, the power structure was different. Kevin Warren was just getting here. Ted Phillips was on his way out. George McCaskey's in that mix. Like, I don't know if if they would have been willing to punt on Justin Fields, where it's like, okay, we saw glimmers of hope last year. Let's see in year three, because if, you know, regardless, like we may have a high draft pick again, that was thinking of their own draft pick at that time. Not that it was going to be Carolina's number one pick that yeah. you know, the record that gave them the number one pick. If they were not a good team again, they would have been drafting high anyways. So I I don't fault Ryan Poles for the process in which he went through last year, but of course we will always judge people that that are not playing here that could have played here based on how they perform somewhere else. Same thing with Jalen Carter, same thing with CJ Stroud, same thing with anybody else that they passed up on. Like we have this, we have these conversations often with it's not just the bears. Every team has that like, Oh, you could have drafted this guy at this position, but you went with this guy. Well, look at, you know, so-and-so went on to have an all pro career. That stuff happens. It's draft is not an exact science, but it, it, it's part of the overall conversation down the line of like, okay, did this guy pan out? Man, that was a miss for Ryan Poles, or it wasn't a miss if the guy no. doesn't pan out.
0: And, and for me, it's just right. Like, take it down the full road. Don't drive, you know, and look down the block and then keep going. If you draft CJ Stroud's second overall pick, mm-hmm. you're drafted CJ Stroud probably won. That means you don't trade back. You don't get DJ, don't get Moore. DJ Moore.
1: And that's you, something that I thought he was, he articulated pretty well last week, just to be able like, to remind people like, yeah. we'd still have Pete in, and that's part of it. Of course, there's going to be the other side that says, well, look at the receivers and the running but game that CJ Stroud had around him. Yeah. Even if you didn't have DJ Moore, would it work out? I don't know. We don't. No one has any way of knowing that because yeah. you would be without an offensive tackle that yep. you had that at number ten. You would be with, probably without Tyreek Stevenson. Who knows? Paul said they traded up to get him because they didn't expect him to be there at what sixty-one or whatever right. it was. So maybe um, you could
0: still get him. But I believe you used one of the picks that Carolina traded yeah. you to move up to get that. Sixty-four. I want to yeah.
1: say so. Like it's sixty-one or sixty-four. One of the one of those um, one of those uh, l- uh, late day two picks that they got. I just. You can talk yourself into a circle thinking that, oh, well, if this player, we saw how much success he had in this situation, if we just plucked him out of that situation and popped him in in Chicago, that it would have been great. I mean, it's just, it's just like not logical. Like to have, no. You you will end up like not coming to a conclusion because it's an impossible argument to have. But the long and short of it is you passed up on the number one overall pick last year. Are you in position to do it again? Like that's that you just don't find teams that that run into that, especially when the pick is not theirs because of their own record. Yeah, that it feels like it could be a gift to be able to use this number one pick on a quarterback. Or you're like, man, what what rare draft currency we have to change the trajectory of our franchise? Let's go put weapons around Justin Fields. Like this, this is the part of the debate that. You can you can come to a different answer every single day on it, and I know how difficult that's going to be for the people at Hallis Hall to ultimately come to a consensus on. Because either way, you can see like a lot of good in, in any you know in any of them. But does it get you closer to beating Green Bay first and foremost? You know, like look, they went two and four in the division this year. Um, they didn't beat Jordan Love. You have to face both of those guys, Matthew. Stav- excuse me, um, J- Jared Goff and. Jordan Love twice a year. Are, does your, your quarterback decision has to help get you closer to that goal first? Because well, yeah. Ryan Paul's number one goal is win the North and never give it back. How, I don't know how much, I don't think they're that close to getting there by any stretch.
0: Well, and, and I think it, my number one takeaway from wildcard weekend was the teams that won were able to shut down major pieces. You look at that Detroit game. Where was Micah Parsons? You look at that the Texans game. game. I'm sorry, the, the Packers game, yes. Where was Micah know. Parsons? You where look was at the number
1: that, five scoring defense?
0: You look at that Texans game. Where was Miles Garrett, right? Like, there's pieces that help your quarterback on that team just by allowing him to be able to stand up. The quarterback play, of course, plays into that. I thought that, you know, Jordan Love did a really good evading a lot of pressure, unfortunately, to say he, he looks... Everything that we hoped he wouldn't be, right? I said I wanted him to be good enough. There's a little too good, right? He's doing a little bit too well here. Uh, but wildcard weekend as a whole, I mean, like, it did feel like we were a lot farther back than maybe we thought we were, especially with how we played. Uh, Detroit in the season. I mean, sure. Green Bay didn't exactly eviscerate us in that last game, but your offense basically didn't show up. Your defense wasn't able to get pressure on Jordan Love. You still only allow seventeen points, but it's just like it—it it felt like a gut punch watching them go out and beat did. what most of us would consider are the best in the NFC.
1: Mm-hmm. And you have young quarterbacks doing it too. I mean, yep. Justin Fields is going into year four, so he's still a young quarterback. Jordan Love, you know, was drafted. Uh, you know, waited all those years behind Aaron Rodgers. This was effectively his rookie season. It's like, man, you're watching somebody who is right around that same age as a Justin Fields, drafted a year ahead of him. And then, of course, the, um, you know, the idea that CJ Stroud comes in here and is lightning in a bottle at 20, or not lightning in a bottle, that is like a long-term, like, okay, you see this guy at 22 years old, imagine what he's going to look like when he is Justin Fields' age. That yeah. stings, I'm sure, for Bears fans. But like once you get the quarterback spot, right. A lot of things ca- will start falling into place like that, that those teams have shown us that that's my biggest takeaway from games. Like, I mean, I know there were some lopsided games that Cowboys Packers game was not indicative of what the sport <laughs> turned out to be. The the uh, Texans CJ Stroud was on the bench for the final nine minutes because they, it was a blowout. Like, yeah. so there weren't like the most competitive games, but they felt competitive because you saw awesome quarterback play that kept us talking. And, that's what the Bears can hope for, that they can you know, have that same sort of play at some point that's going to put them in a different conversation.
0: We've talked about uh, a lot of the winners in this. What was your takeaway from some of the losers that we saw in this game? Uh, we saw Dak Prescott. I mean, like, I, I, my, <laughs> there's no way they keep that together, right? Like, they, um, they got to be starting to look at it in a different direction. I, th- in that, I,
1: I would be stunned if Dak is not the quarterback there. Um, yeah. It's hard, like you know, finding above-average quarterback play in the NFL. Like grass is not always green. when they think, oh, they got to blow this thing up. I think they will make a coaching change. You know, who knows? Dan Quinn may go get a. I mean, wh- where was that defense? That was a number five scoring defense, and you allowed the seven seed to come and hang forty-eight on you. That's embarrassing. But yeah. I, I think of all the pieces in there, and Dak, you know, McCarthy will will shoulder is shouldering most of the blame for that game. But Dak Prescott was terrible. I know his yeah. stat line says four hundred passing yards, whatever. He didn't, he, you know, the game was like twenty six to zero before, he, like the light bulb turned on for,
0: and because of his two turnovers, early. yeah,
1: like the, the pick, he didn't start like playing, like in, like he had something to prove until that pick six, which was ridiculous. But I, I just that there will be changes that are made there. I think you know, in Philadelphia, like wow, an eleven win team looked like that in the wild card round. We could all see this coming for for weeks now and yes injuries did affect them but good lord that was a bad performance last night and i'm curious to see what they do because it it, that that one was embarrassing like to have this much fall apart for you after a horrible december like i just i don't know how it got this bad for philly like there's going to be you know the changes that they made at defensive play caller um the the alleged infighting that was going on guys in the locker room not you know Pointing fingers, all those things like the undoing of this season, like the piece by piece look of like how did it get this bad after, again starting out like what like eight and zero, the first loss of that Jets game, like. That's gonna take that's gonna, that sting is gonna take a while to dissipate because that is whew, what a fall from where they were and a year ago.
0: You you see the fans with the fire Sirianni uh, bags on their head. It's like I think maybe that's a little far here. Like the guy yeah. had you in a Super Bowl a year ago, but it's a much quicker league now. I think yeah, the name that's most interesting right now is uh, we heard that you got one year left on your contract and Mike Tomlin immediately walk like out. Hear me out on this. Was that walkout walking straight down to Dallas to uh, pair him up with Dak Prescott? Because that is a name that is very interesting to me with that defense that's already built there. You pair that up with Tomlin. Got to get the OC right. But Mm -hmm. it's not going to be hard to get people to come to Dallas.
1: No, I mean, that's an interesting one. Everybody assumes it's Bill Belichick or bust at this point. But... You know, now that the Steelers enter their offseason and the fallout from the loss to Buffalo and the fallout from this season, like, we know what needs to be fixed. Like, you have to bring in an offense that can score points, like, bottom line, and you have to get a quarterback. But um, Tomlin's future, I don't think it's, like, dead set that he's going to go back to Pittsburgh. I know we felt that way at, yeah. before the playoffs, but, you know, there's there's a... Feels like there's a lot still to be decided among like the coachings, um, the coaching hirings that are going to take place, and it has moved a little slow. But maybe this is the week things ramp up.
0: Yeah, we'll see what it ends up being. Gonna be interesting. Can't wait to see more playoffs from. Uh, I mean, listen, it, it's gonna be fun the rest of the way through. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even the Super Bowl is gonna be bananas this year. I'm I can't wait for that. Uh but. As always, for Courtney Cronin, I'm Pat the Designer. Let us know how you guys feel, who should be the Bears OC. What was your biggest takeaways from wildcard weekend? Is Caleb Williams coming to Chicago? We'll keep that conversation going throughout the playoffs, throughout the rest of this year, through the draft, all the way until we're talking about whoever the next quarterback is or the current quarterback is of the Chicago Bears. As always, this boy Pat the Designer back at it again. Y'all stay safe out there in Chicago. Bear done. Peace.